Welcome everyone to the Ghouls Magazine podcast, a podcast that looks at horror through the female perspective. Today I'm your host, Arielle Powershav, aka Ari Hellraiser, Senior Contributor and Admin Assistant for Ghouls Magazine. Every month we do a little wrap-up on some of our recent watches, so today we'll just be chatting about some horror that we have enjoyed recently. And I am joined by Ariel Baska, Caitlin Downs, and Elizabeth Bishop, all contributors to Ghouls Magazine. How are you all doing today? Great, thank you. How are you? Good. Super excited for this discussion. Me it's too. It's so good to see you. I, I'm so <laughs> happy to actually see my lovely ghouls. It's yeah. nice, right? Because we have a, mm-hmm. you know, a little behind the scenes peek, listeners. We're texting each other constantly on our group chat, but it's nice when we can actually talk to each other. So this is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can kick us off, um, honestly, because I'm just bursting at the seams to talk about this. But something I've been really watching and enjoying recently is Alice in Borderland. Are any of you familiar with that? It's a Netflix show. It's been on my list to watch for a long time, but I haven't got around to it yet. Oh, yeah. I can't recommend it enough. Um, So it's based on a manga, and I'm not at all familiar with the manga, and maybe I should read it. Um, So I have no clue, like, how loyal it is to the story it's based on. But so, so I just enjoy it for, like, what I've seen of it. And there's two seasons out on Netflix right now, and it's a um about like people who sort of wake up in this world where they have to play death games so you know they're presented with different kinds of games that correspond to different suits in a deck of cards so like games of hearts are about relationships and trust and games of diamonds are battles of wits and they have to earn life to stay in this world but none of them know how they got there or what it is or how to get out. So it combines death game horror, which we know I love um, (laughs) (laughs) with uh, a mystery that is like what is going on in this world and characters that I really, really love, like the show rips your heart out, which I love. So um, I've just, I finished the second season and then I just watched I just started the first season again, just because I love it so much. I don't want to be done with the characters yet. So yeah, if it's on your list, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I think I'll push it further to the top of my list and try and get it binged soon. So Please do. Discuss. Exactly. Then we could talk about it. I really need someone to talk to about this show. <laughs> so that'd be great. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my list too. So. I thought of you, Ariel. I thought maybe it, you you would have heard of it or seen it or I've, read the manga. I've definitely heard of it, and I've had a lot of people tell me to read the manga, and I've mm-hmm. just never had time for it. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, like, you know, even the anime series based on a manga I really love that's out right now, like, I'm having trouble, like, making myself watch these anime series that are horrific at the moment and I don't know why yeah it's like um for for whatever set of reasons it's just taking me a little longer to get engaged with things where I know the material already mm. so, mm-hmm. anyway yeah what uh if you don't mind me asking what series is that unless that's, it's gonna come up chainsaw later. man 
Chainsaw Man is just a delightful manga. I absolutely adore it. It's about a character named Denji who comes across a devil dog that is made out of like a chainsaw and, uh, you know, the, the two become one through mystical, magical forces and team up to fight demons. And it's a really beautifully done anime um, yeah. that really does justice to the manga. It's just that for whatever set of reasons, I haven't been in the right headspace to really dive in the way I wanted to. Yeah. I have been watching Chainsaw Man and I was a little hesitant at first, but I am all in now and like fully in love with all the characters. The cutest Chainsaw Devil Dog you'll ever meet. Yeah. Honestly. Um, Yeah. So I'm with you on that. I am excited for more Chainsaw Man, hopefully whenever that comes. It's always hard with anime seasons to know when things are coming. It's not as clear as it is with like American TV to know. So uh, you just got to be surprised whenever they drop it, I guess. Or maybe yeah. some people are better at knowing than me, but it, I, it's not, I can't Google it and then I give up. Yeah. <laughs> and quick question. Did you read the manga of it as well? No. Embarrassingly, I like never read manga. I, I should. I've read most of Tokyo Ghoul and I okay. love Tokyo Ghoul, but um, it's such a commitment to me and it's not. Like I never was big into visual novels or like graphic novels. And so it's it's harder for me to sort of get excited about reading those. And then when I do, like I loved Tokyo Ghoul. So I need to try more. Definitely, definitely read more Junji Ito. That's my message for everyone on this pod- podcast. Just read more Junji Ito and your life will be 10,000 fold rewarded. I know it. <laughs> That's very true. I do have Uzumaki and I've picked it up and put it down a few times. That one's like less plot, more vibes. So that one I feel like I can pick up and put down. Um, So totally other side of the coin away from my like heartfelt Japanese thoughtful based on literature show. Uh, the other thing I've been watching lately are the Hatchet movies. Is anybody mm. familiar with these? I think I've seen the first one years ago when it came out, but I don't think I've ever revisited it or seen any of the sequels. Yeah. It's um, it's a slasher franchise that started, the first one came out in 2007, I believe, and it's Adam Green. And I don't know if this is accurate or not, but Adam Green seems like he's inspired by Eli Roth. Like, I just sort of get kind of an Eli Roth vibe from him. Um, I mean, it was around the same time Eli Roth was mostly doing his thing. So, um, you know, it's definitely, especially the first and second movie, have that edgelord vibe to them. (laughs) But, like, the gore and the kills in Hatchet and Hatchet 2 are amazing and the stunts are really impressive it takes place in a setting that you don't often see in a slasher movie it's in um like swamplands in the u.s that we call the bayou so i i like it for what it is but if you're not really in the mood for like a nasty mid-2000s slasher it's probably not going to be your vibe but i was in the mood for them recently so i read i rewatched a couple of those the first one is the one that has that really wild um 360 
piece of gore, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, yes, it does. Like an incredible <laughs> bit of work, that. Because I think you you kind of feel like you've seen it all, the slashes, rightly mm-hmm. or wrongly. And then you see something like that that's just so constructed to be completely ridiculous. Yes. Uh, but it works. It works within the context of it all. Um, and you remember it. Even if I can't remember anything else that happened in that film, I remember yeah. that that set piece. Yep. I think it has some of the nastiest kills in a slasher movie ever. And I specifically mean in a slasher movie, right? Like we we can get nastier kills if we look into other subgenres. But slashers tend to be a little bit more like you get stabbed or you get chopped and and we move on. If we're in the Slumber Party Massacre franchise, you get drilled. Okay, sure. But throughout the Hatchet franchise, the kills are very, very creative and you are like, okay, I know this person's going to die, but I don't know how. I can't predict how. And there's some really awesome ones. If if that's your thing, there's buckets of gore. <laughs> okay, well, um, Caitlin, do you want to tell us about what you've been watching lately? Oh, I've got a mixed bag. A really yes. Mixed bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... One of the first things I watched recently was Grim Cutty, uh, which was a sight unseen Disney Plus watch. Uh, and it was kind of, do you know how, what's really appealing about like internet horror or creepypasta horror is that still no one's quite done it really, really well. Like, yeah. Searching is really good. Like, that's a really good example mm-hmm. of that. Yes. Like, screen life. <laughs> thing that works all the way through um but then you get also like the kind of urban legend stuff behind internet horror uh and grim cutty is essentially that there's sort of like a a grim cutty challenge um sort of invoked by an app that is clearly meant to be tiktok uh and that it is causing children to revolt against their families oh and let me tell you i laughed a great deal (laughs) for all the wrong reasons um oh no it's really bad Um, oh no I was like writing it down I was like oh this sounds really scary I need to check this out but it's maybe funnier than it is scary I mean I think I would like to watch it not just me on my own I think if you put that in front of lots of people because and I'm kind of weirdly fascinated about it now in how it came to be because some of it feels almost so on the nose it has to be a parody do you know what I mean like it has to have started somewhere as a satire because Mm. the whole idea of kids being on the internet is like ripped from a I don't know GB news headline of like the kids uh, hate their parents because they spend too much time on TikTok um right like it's so uh, but what they do with that is then they introduce this grim cutty character who is I mean, really ripping off the kind of Slender Man idea, only badly. Okay. I mean, Slender Man's really can be kind of scary. So they must it can just until not... you put him in a film like <laughs> Slender Man did. And it was yeah. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I watched that and uh I, I would recommend that actually people get together and watch it. I think it's kind of fun. Uh <laughs> For the wrong reasons. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> well, honestly, like I, I have a group of friends that like we get together on Discord regularly and just watch really bad horror movies. So if if it's good for those kinds of nights, that yeah. sounds like my jam. Absolutely perfect for that. Like you just want everyone of the same frame of mind going into it and like some of the dialogue is terrible. Um, the effects are quite poor. And but it kind of gradually evolves in that way to the point where you're like, it starts off and you think, oh, this might be interesting. And they're like, oh no, it's not. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Instantly on the downswing. Oh man. I wonder and, and you know, maybe not. Like I was trying to think if it's based on like, was there some challenge? Yes. You know, that the, okay. So it's sort of based on that idea of like kids are doing this thing. Because it kind of sounds like, and this was several years ago now, which in internet time is ancient. But do you remember the Momo craze? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, okay. this is exactly yeah. what this is kind of riffing on. And I think that's what um, it sounded like. Liz saw uh, a film, maybe 2021, Blue Whale. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is like a Russian screen life um, horror, mm. which was kind of on a similar thing of, you get kind of indoctrinated into this challenge and the challenge stakes keep going, like keep increasing in severity then. Yeah. Hmm. I actually really enjoyed that though. Yeah, it was decent. It was pacey. I, th- I um, thought that, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'd never seen a Russian horror before. Um, so that was very new to me. But yeah, I actually thought that was quite good. I found it quite... Um, quite intriguing for like a sort of it felt very like teen horror like mm. is it, this is made as like a warning film for teens but it, mm. yeah it was quite entertaining there was some moments that were actually quite creepy like you know they did the sort of typical thing where it's like oh we know that there's someone in the room that she doesn't know yet but and all that sort of thing and it yeah it was, I quite enjoyed that yeah I think what's interesting about like internet horror is if it could kind of stop itself from moralizing for two minutes we'd get mm-hmm. much more interesting films mm-hmm. but it feels like anyone who picks up like the mantle of internet horror is always kind of coming from a position that is in some way like oh this is our new big threat and we have to exploit this threat and we have to talk about it and it always ends up in this kind of way of like well the real world is better than online and it Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah it would be quite interesting to see a film sort of from the complete other side like especially with our sort of group of writers that have come together and formed the friendship that we have now like for I know a lot of us have sort of said like something as simple as our whatsapp group sort of has you know kept us all alive the last couple of years and yeah. built some real strong friendships and relationships and it would be interesting to see a film from like that other side, potentially not a horror film, I guess, but you know, something that's a bit more like actually the real world can be quite scary. And sometimes your internet friends are the ones that save you. Yeah. I think not creating it, like coming at it from a point of view of moral panic would be nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we're getting a lot of that. Yeah. That would be good. I mean, I I was thinking about host while we were talking and that is, I mean, that's more about like what people went through during lockdown and trying to socialize uh, like virtually, but like that capitalized on the fact that like socializing virtually wasn't the problem in that film. 
not really mm-hmm. like the horror yeah. came from somewhere else. So yeah, if we could get more horror that incorporates being online and having friends online, but that not necessarily being the issue, that could be mm-hmm. cool. I do think unfriended dark web, the second unfriended yeah, does. I mean, there's still moralizing in that actually, but that's a fun movie. It's a good okay. fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, so I followed up that with a film. I actually adhered almost nothing about and almost loved sight unseen. It's got problems, but I was with it from the very beginning and that's run sweetheart run. And, oh yeah. I, I Oh, I'm so glad that someone else has seen it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's so interesting because I, I mean I love mess in in my films and it's a messy film you know I, mm-hmm. I I think there's a lot going on probably too much that diverts it but it's kind of handled with a lot of flair and a lot of charm that you're just willing to kind of hand yourself over to it or at least I was I don't know Liz how you fared with it yeah I, I found it really fun um obviously it's it's a bit it's one that's a bit difficult to speak about too much without spoiling it yeah um but I enjoyed I I thought the central character was was really nice and really like I felt quite endeared to her like I I really wanted her to survive um and it was one of those films where it felt like just no matter what she did it was sort of just getting worse and worse and worse (laughs) but yeah it was fun there was there's you know a few good twists and things that you don't really see come in um, but yeah, I do agree it was a bit messy. I think the ending sort of a bit like felt a bit rushed for me. Um, but overall, yeah, pretty good film to just sort of discover randomly on a, a Sunday as I did. Yeah, I think that that's the really nice thing almost because I think particularly as writers, we're kind of exposed to a lot of hype all the yeah. time. Yeah. I, I'm, we're guilty of it as well, like hyping a film that we've seen or whatever. So when you do kind of find something that you know nothing about, and you just hit play and let it take you. Um, I think that's really, really cool. I, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened with that. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I'll go where it wants me to. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that more people aren't speaking about it. Because um, mm. I think it, it's got some really interesting points about kind of the monsters in plain sight um, mm. in a lot of ways um, and that kind of thing. So yeah it, it's really interesting and the lead actress is amazing um and I did want I did put aside her name to make sure I got it right so uh Ella Belinska as Sherry she's amazing in this yeah. she's really good she's in almost every scene and she's just captivating mm-hmm. I need to watch this I have like I can kind of picture the title card, like maybe I've scrolled past it before, mm-hmm. but I don't think I've heard much about it at all. And I get really excited for a movie I've not heard much about. So that's awesome. I'm not taking any blame if you hate it. <laughs> Fair enough. D- disclaimer. Um, yeah. Everybody watch everything at your own risk, I guess. <laughs> Especially Grim Cutting, it sounds like. Yeah, well. Mm. <laughs> and my last watch was uh, Twilight, which... Um... Nice. Yes. nice. <laughs> what, which one are you up to? Did you just watch the first one or have you made it any farther? I... It, do you know I started downloading them and I realized that they were all like two hours maybe two hours plus and I Mm. I sort of thought about my life a little bit 
Um, yeah. So yeah. they're all downloaded and they're all there. <laughs> but it might be like a once a week thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will be honest, though. Every time I watch Twilight, I'm always slightly blown away by how much I love Kristen Stewart in that movie. <gasps> I, what the hell is wrong with my life that I am watching <laughs> Twilight and marveling at how great Kristen Stewart is even before she became the it girl of indie cinema like she's just oh my god but I yeah. and I think Catherine Hardwick as a director of that film is just I don't know she also blows me away so I, I really loved like there's a bit where she's kind of putting together what he is. I'm I'm not going to worry about spoilers for Twilight because it no, was released no. in 2008. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> Which is approximately where all my taste in things stopped. Um, <laughs> so like the, there's a bit where she's kind of putting together what he is and who he is. Um, and there's this beautiful, really short flashback of them in like a gothic proper vampy romance. And I'm like, oh, that looks gorgeous. I would like to be watching that actually. That, that looks good <laughs> I know exactly the part you're talking about yeah it's just yeah. seconds but you're like oh mm-hmm, wow mm-hmm. and for the, there to be that much effort into that yeah. tiny little segment it was like okay that's cool um it's very fanfic and I don't mean mm-hmm. that as a criticism at all like if you if you grew up I think reading uh reading fan fiction it, it it plays like a fanfic. Like if you if you mm-hmm. were a kid going to see that who'd spent most of your life on like fanfiction.net, you would be having the best time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally every single trope you want. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Twilight personally, but I am so, so glad with how people are coming around lately and going, yeah, you know what? Let's stop hating on Twilight. First of all, I mean, let people like what they like, of course, always, but also like the performances are good. The direction is good. There's some really beautiful scenes. Like it's based on a story that is like, if you're going to follow that story, you can only do so much with it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that they were able to make the movie that they did out of a story that maybe was a little bit thin is, is pretty cool. And also, um, Faculty of Horror did a really awesome episode on the Twilight movies that I can't recommend enough. Um, the podcast Faculty of Horror, and they talked about the fact that, like, you know, some of it maybe is about not wanting teen girls to have like sexual fantasies and wanting to stump that out for teen girls. And I was like, you know, I never really thought about that, but like that could be very true. So, um, I'm just glad that people are talking about it now and like. I know on the Evolution of Horror, they covered it in their most recent season, and Mike got a lot of criticism for bringing in Twilight, but also got a lot of, like, thanks and praise. So it's interesting. We're kind of turning that ship. Yeah. Well, and I, I would like to go on. Sorry. sorry. I was just about to say, I would like to go on record and say that I absolutely love Twilight. It is everything that I loved when I was younger. When it came out, it was perfect. Paramore on the soundtrack, mm-hmm. like the movie sort of love triangle, being a teenager that like these two glorious men are absolutely obsessed with. Like, yeah, it was just it was great. And I think Mike made a really good point on the evolution of horror episode that all these like people that hate it most of the time are like adult men. Yeah. It wasn't written for you. 
it wasn't it wasn't for you this film is not for you so just like where does this vitriol come from for it is it just because it's something that teenage girls love probably Mm. probably yeah I love how when you started that you leant forward like you were properly in a court testimony (laughs) this Fisher, I love Twilight. Yeah, thank you. You heard so, it here. <laughs> I will also be honest. Like the first time I saw Twilight, I was deliberately hate watching it, like because <laughs> I was so certain I was going to hate it because it was, you know, something that you know, like obviously I'm not going to like something that's from a a book about Mormons, you know, waiting for sex after marriage. Like, why would I like that when it's in a movie? But then when I, when I actually watched it, I was kind of addicted to it, but I lied and said I hated it and tried to (laughs) hate on it a little bit for a while. And then by the time the second one came out, I was like, no, I I legitimately actually want to see that. I guess I have to set up now. <laughs> and, you know, and that was my relationship with Twilight. And it's it's so funny because I think everybody within the horror community has this relationship with it, whether they necessarily admit it to themselves or not, that's based on, you know, the idea of it as fanfic or the idea of it as, you know, glittery vampire Mm -hmm. and it's kind of interesting to me that it's it's finally coming full circle in terms of getting its appreciation and I think also for being a franchise directed by a woman there are very few of those that we have in horror especially and so that makes me happy Justice for Twilight. This is a Twilight-friendly podcast, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's me and my mixed bag then. Love it. I love it. That's an excellent mixed bag. What a variety. (laughs) Uh, Liz, what have you been watching? Okay, so I'm going to kick off with the most recent one, and I will keep it completely spoiler free because I don't think that Ariel you've watched it yet but um last night I finally watched the menu I've not seen it yet but I I've know seen it I four times to. it's on my list too to talk about <laughs> it is I I'm so upset that I didn't watch it in 2022 to put it in my probably top three films of the year wow it was so much fun so dark so funny like just incredible performances all around and just just like nothing that I've ever seen before I really really loved it I think there were some bits that were slightly predictable I imagine that especially horror fans will you know look at it and be like "Mm, yeah that's that's not going to be what you think it is Mm -hmm. um but all round, yeah, just a complete, it was one of those films that I just sat there with a real grin across my face the whole time. Um, I also, outside of horror, I'm a big cooking show fan. Same. So anything to do with food. I love, like, um, over here we have, like, the Great British Menu. Obviously, worldwide you have, like, MasterChef and things like that. Um, I've watched every single episode of Top Chef and My Kitchen Rules and all these things. So anything where, like, people are putting together these big fancy meals with that they're like you know the size of a 50p coin and it's all just (laughs) beautiful it's it's like that mixed with like dark 
horror comedy and it was just yeah it was perfect I loved it am I the only person that's seen it I I am an absolute addict of that movie I've seen it uh four times in the theater I saw it for the fourth time in the theater last night actually um because I am that person that's Uh, amazing (laughs) when it comes to that film I I am addicted to this film and by the way if any of you out there are aspiring screenplay writers etc um, the entire script is available online through Variety Magazine. The um, mm-hmm. scriptwriters actually put it out there um, so that people could actually study the screenplay and see kind of how it was made and learn about how the sausage is made. <laughs> That's wow. awesome. That's very but, cool. Yeah. But what's lovely about the menu is the whole thing is like this metaphor for the creative enterprise. And I... Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. It's horror that has a very clear metaphorical message, but is not heavy handed about it at all and is delightfully fun. And I also enjoy Nicholas Holt as pedantic asshole boyfriend. Um, oh, he's you know. so great. He's oh my so God. great. Oh my God. I oh just, God. there was one point, again, I won't spoil anything, but there was a particular scene that focuses on him that my partner next to me just looked like he wanted the ground to swallow him and I just could not stop laughing I just thought it was the funniest thing it was so uncomfortable and like oh god like you just sat there with your head in your hands like what's gonna happen yeah he's brilliant really really good he is brilliant and so is Ray Fine I think all the performances from the principal cast are just to die for so yeah I feel like I'm about to hash the buzz um oh, I, no. <laughs> well no I do I do like it I enjoyed myself I think I enjoyed it more because I was in a crowd mm. I can't help my kind of res- reception of it being like it's a almost like it's politics and ideas are a, in direct opposition to the package it's presented in to the point that I could never quite escape that Mm. um so it's in I don't know I don't want to spoil anything because <laughs> I used a phrase <laughs> earlier and then a, a phrase earlier to someone and then I realized no that would kind of be a spoiler um but yeah I think for me it's about the 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 type of people presenting it and the type of story they they are telling they don't kind of sit comfortably together um uh, for me at least interesting um and I feel like it's a film that's better when it gets weirder so for me the the moments where it sort of indulges that weirdness a little bit more are the better things I think I gave it like three stars which for me is like this is fine this is Mm -hmm. decent I had a fine time uh but like I think yeah that idea of when it gets a little bit stranger or it just always seems to pump the brakes just when you would expect it to tip over. Mm. And I guess mm. that works on some level. But for me, I was just like, if you're going to go weird, go weird. But that's mm. personal preference, you know? And and when you say like the people who made it, who which people are you referring to? The writers, the director? I just mean it's, the... a, it's a big studio production. Oh, be, being a big studio project as opposed to an independent. I yeah, think. yeah. I, I think that kind of... Um, 
I think if it, it and it's a weird thing, right? Because if it came out of a, a small independent place, it would almost not it would it wouldn't look right. So no. it needs the big mm-hmm. studio money to look the way it looks to sell the concept. But in doing that, it undermines its own concept. Am yeah. I making sense? I don't know. <laughs> you make sense to me, for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, to make it perfectly clear, I think it's it's good. I think it's a really fun film. And I think it's the kind of horror that obviously spoke to a really wide range of people, which is really cool. Because <laughs> the more people who yeah. get in, watch that and go, oh, I thought I didn't like horror movies, but I clearly do like a horror movie. Brilliant. Yeah. And Nicholas Holt is brilliant. Yeah. And I will also say, I brought my mother-in-law and my father-in-law to see this movie with me. And neither of them are horror fanatics by any stretch okay. of the imagination, but they both enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. I, I just count that as a win in my book. I've won them over mm-hmm. to the dark side, obviously. Yes. <laughs> There's horror for everybody if they want it. I really do believe that. Oh, completely. Um, yeah. If some if someone says to me, I don't like horror, I'm like, I bet there's something out there that you do like. I take it as a challenge. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's find one. Caitlin, when you were talking about, because um, obviously I haven't seen the menu yet, but talking about it going really weird, it made me think of that movie, The Feast from mm-hmm. last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. That movie gets weird. That's a yeah. food movie that goes weird. I like it. it's it's welsh and i think maybe that's that's the thing is that that's kind of the dinner party from hell movie for me because it it kind of speaks to a lot of my background um politically it speaks to me uh in a way that feels more authentic to me um than something like the menu but I, i i think Obviously, that's talking from a very specific cultural, political, social background. Whereas I think the menu is more broad and there's not, absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Maybe I'll watch it today or tomorrow. Yeah. I think it's definitely I feel worth like watching. The menu... It's a nice Sunday watch. Yeah. And I feel like the menu is the sort of film that I would love to sit and talk about and pull it apart every single detail and every single character and things it's it is really quite a hard one to talk about too much without spoiling anything yeah and it is a fun one to rewatch too I will say definitely I I get something out of all of my repeated viewings Mm -hmm. well thank you for protecting me from spoilers because I'm very (laughs) spoiler sensitive I'm one of those people who like mutes everything on Twitter so I don't get Uh, spoilers so thank you me too, me too. Yeah. Um, so the other things that I watched recently is um, there's a couple of guys that I work with that aren't massively into horror, but, you know, they quite come often come to me and say, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And we decided to start a bit of a film club this year. Cool. Um, where we'd sort of, we'd put a list of films in. Um, each week we'll sort of randomly generate which one we're going to watch. Um and then we sort of come back and discuss it. And the one that came out this week was one of my selections. And it was um, Splice. Yes. Splice. Nice. Yeah. Yes. And now I'm a little bit concerned that they're going to report me to HR at work. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I haven't heard their verdict on it yet. But I re-watched that um, last week and made my partner 
going blind again and watch it. Um, it was another film where probably around halfway through, he was like, don't touch me. I was like, okay, okay, great. Um, so for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, it's about a couple that work for, I think, some sort of like genetics lab. Um, and they sort of splice together the DNA of different animals and sort of create this creature. Um, and it's meant to be that they're like, they'll harvest this creature for like different proteins that will create medicines that could you know cure cancer and things like this um but when they approach their sort of business owner about wanting to splice together this creature with humans they're sort of rejected because you know morals and blah 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 so obviously they take it upon themselves to to do it anyway um and they sort of have this creature child thing that they they raise and it's all very cute and until it's not <laughs> until it's not um so yeah anyone who's seen it will will know that it, it gets pretty dark in places and it's it's something that you could probably not really predict what's going to happen until just before it happens and then again you're sort of sat there like oh god no please they're not going to do that are they oh. <laughs> but it's it's great I, just, I was I love it I was definitely thinking of the wrong movie. I have not seen this movie. I was thinking of Split. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a, also, uh, also a good movie, but like yeah. very different. So now I'm realizing I really need to see Splice because that sounds yeah. amazing. Yes. It's more, it's, <laughs> see, at the end of it, like my boyfriend sort of looked at me and was like, that wasn't horror. And I was like, depends you know you sort of your stance on what you personally I definitely consider it a horror it's very sci-fi horror but definitely a horror and I would really really recommend it awesome yeah it's pretty horrifying (laughs) like yeah and as well it's from like Vincenzo Natalie who's like one of the the best like horror filmmakers out there um in terms of his tv stuff as well he just sort of seems to come in and add like a weird sheen to some weird stuff which is nice what else has he done i can't place that name oh he's done episodes of hannibal um oh like like so you just know you're going in and it's gonna look great and be horrible which is what we want yeah yeah there's also um i noticed because i have seen it a couple of times before but on this watch um because it's one of those typical like 2000s films where like the all the credits are sort of right at the beginning in this big sequence um I noticed that there's um some of the special effects were done by Greg Nicotero who does like mm-hmm. the, the Walking Dead and things like that and then um Guillermo del Toro is also a producer on it so it's oh. got his sort of his sort of vibe to like some of the creature like the creaturey thing and yeah Amazing. it's just it's it's really beautiful film um but but yeah it definitely goes to some some dark places so I'd highly recommend that um the last things that I've watched recently which is again it's a bit more I would probably say a bit more true crime than horror um but I think they kind of align quite well together with killers and abductors and things like that um I watched the HBO series a friend of the family oh yeah 
it's based on um well it's based on a true story but it's also sort of I think it's come to light because of the documentary abducted in plain sight on Netflix oh I've seen that yeah that's crazy yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a series about that. Um, it's Anna Paquin is the mum, and I forget the name of the the girl, but then the guy in it who is like the abductor is um, the douchebag boyfriend from the White Lotus. If anyone's yep. watching that, the first season of the White Lotus, he's the he's the abductor, and he's just as horrific in this as he is in the White Lotus. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it sort of like follows the story of this family that um, befriend their neighbour um, to the point where he sort of heavily befriends their young daughter, um, taking her out alone and doing horrible things. And then he eventually ends up abducting her. But he also then abducts her twice more after she's returned. And there's all sorts of, if you've watched a documentary, you'll know it's one of the wildest true crime documentaries you'll probably ever watch. You just cannot believe that this story is true. Um, but there's all sorts of things to it that made me think, God, these people are stupid. Like, you can't seriously have believed all this. But then watching the series, um, there's actually an introduction from the woman who was abducted at the very beginning. So she introduces it. She's obviously had some input into how it was written and things like that and it sort of shows you the way that he manipulated each member of the family like really coercive and manipulative and the way that he sort of holds things over them and blackmails them with things but in a way that they don't even realize that they're being blackmailed and it sort of gave me a new sense of appreciation for what they really went through and actually how this it wasn't quite so unbelievable that he could that he could do that so yeah I would really recommend that if anyone has watched the documentary and is interested in a dramatized version I actually haven't watched the documentary and I didn't realize there was a documentary I only watched the dramatized version on Peacock in the United States and like I found it so horrific and so chilling to watch Mm -hmm. this play out and I, I'm yeah. I'm gonna have to watch that documentary now I think I'd agree yeah, with I mean, when you say about how yeah. it kind of humanizes the people involved more than the documentary does because I think I've surprising. only seen like two or three episodes but there's something sort of said about like a word that is used in relation to the groomer that is they've never heard um that is really commonplace to us now um but they've never heard it and that really contextualizes an awful lot of this that they had no idea what they were looking out for they had no idea it was a thing yeah Yeah, even like the police sort of like they'd never heard like the word for like a child abuser Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and they're sort of like even they're like oh well you know the psychologist has explained that this is what they are and the parents are like what like people do that and it's just yeah it just it really puts it in a different sort of context because I was definitely one of the people who watched the documentary and was sort of like, these parents should have had their children taken away. Like they are negligent. They are, they're terrible people. Like they, you know, 
how she's forgiven them I'll never know because like the daughter forgave the parents for let it, allowing it to happen um but yeah the series really like puts it into context and I actually like it, it was quite moving quite moving yeah so yeah that's everything that I've been watching recently well thank you yeah I'm just I'm gonna have to check out that show because the documentary was wild so I wrote it down <laughs> on my list um, so Ariel, do you want to wrap us up with what you've been re- watching recently? I know you mentioned the menu, but what else? Well, for me, um, lately I, so I watched the, a really unusual film recently for the director's uncut podcast. Um, we watched a couple of films by Anders Thomas Jensen, uh, who collaborated with Mads Mikkelsen early in his career, particularly, And so I watched this film called The Green Butchers, which I was expecting to be full on horror. I was Mm -hmm. really expecting because it's about these guys who kill people and put them in the meat in their butcher shop. What? And I was expecting Mads Mikkelsen, you know, Hannibal... Hannibal, I I wanted that vibe, right? And Mm -hmm. I went into this film and... It's got Mads Mikkelsen with kind of a Danny DeVito kind of haircut and uh, (laughs) sweating profusely (laughs) and just looking like an unfortunate person when we all know Mads Mikkelsen is the hottest man alive, right? Fact. Yes. I mean, uh, so that was interesting. And then you have these very matter-of-fact shots of people hanging on meat hooks and it's like it's not horrific at all it's just sort of like there and you know you you deal with it and you move on and it it was a very interesting kind of film where you're you're more interested in kind of like the moral dilemmas of the characters than you are in the actual gore of what's going on and so you see these beautiful shots of like hands going into meat grinders and so forth but it's like just sort of happenstance that it's there it's 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 a very different approach to that kind of storytelling that I've ever seen so yeah I mean I think we've been getting a lot of and we've been lucky to get lots of cannibalism lately in film or at least you know having some of that lately but um this sounds really different in the fact that you're saying it's it's not horror so I'm trying to think like could they present eating humans in a way that wouldn't horrify me? It sounds really interesting. Who did you say directed it? Anders Thomas Jensen, who directed Writers of Justice most recently, um, which was another film with Mads Mikkelsen and Nikolai Liekas, who were the co-stars of this one as well. Um, and, you know, it it's very interesting because I think most of his films deal with kind of unlikable characters doing Mm -hmm. unlikable things um I would say that that's a trend I see in his work but uh this film was maybe the most unlikable version of (laughs) Mads Mikkelsen I've ever seen on screen so that's an achievement (laughs) have you seen it Caitlin uh, yeah, I, well, I was about to, to say, like, um, I love Maz Mikkelsen and thus have first watched an awful lot of stuff. 
Um, and <laughs> if you are thirst watching the Green Butchers for Maz Mickelson, you are doing thirst watching wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, what's really interesting about doing those kind of watches, you know, when you like look at actor, you're like, ah, oh, beautiful. I'll watch everything they've ever done. Um, when you try and do that with Maz Mickelson, you will run the gambit from horror to period drama to God knows what else, like screwball comedy, and still mm-hmm. be like, how is he so good in everything? Like, mm-hmm. the man is just so compelling to look at. And I think that's the thing. It's like, you know, people who've only ever seen like a photograph of Maz Mickelson and they don't understand what you're talking about. Yep. And then it's like, no, no, you need to see him in motion. You need to see yeah. him. Like, and I've been lucky enough to meet him a couple of times. And let me tell you. What? I could oh. barely stand on my heels. He is amazing. And he's completely chill as well. Like, you can just see how he kind of goes fluidly into all these roles. Because he's the most, like, live and let live kind of guy there is. He's like, oh, I'm interested in that. I'll go do it. Um and that means he just throws himself into everything. He's so impressive. Sorry. This is just turning into a Maz <laughs> amazing convention. <laughs> Which he is. I mm-hmm. mean, let's all be, you know, very clear that we worship yes. at this altar. And, yes. You know. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know. But it, it it's just so startling to me that a film like The Green Butchers even exists. Mm-hmm. And, you know is still a testament to how unlikable Mads Mikkelsen can make himself. And then, you know, you can have things like Hannibal where, you know, he is very clearly the hottest serial killer alive. So, yeah. Yes. I I think it's interesting as well that he kind of has this like almost philosophy of one for the money and then a number of things for like um, the, the art then. You know, so he'll go off and do a Star Wars and have some fun in that and be the best thing in it. Uh, and then he'll come and do like four or five different indie movies mm-hmm. because he's got the budget from doing the big Star Wars to do that and not be, you know, not ask for too much money. So yeah. he's really interesting to follow. Yeah. So that's um, that's the watch that uh, I had the other night. The other thing that I I really want to put in a plug for is if anybody hasn't been watching the Apple Plus series Severance, <gasps> I highly recommend Severance. Um, yes. I, uh, I, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but the idea of it is that what if you could have a perfect work-life balance by injecting yourself with something that, uh, you know, creates two split versions of you so that there's one version of you that goes to work and one version of you that goes home at night. And I love this idea. The concept is so original and so beautifully done. Um, It's actually directed by Ben Stiller, which is shocking to me. Uh, but I love it. Adam Scott is absolutely brilliant in it, um, as are everyone in the supporting cast, particularly John Turturro and Christopher Walken, both of whom I want to see holding hands on a daily basis from now on until the end of time. Um, Arielle, do you want to add 
your um, just that it was so surprising to me. Like you could, based on that premise alone with no spoilers, you can start to think about the things that would be horrifying about that. And so, yes, they go to those places, but they also go to some other places that you don't expect. And um, I, yeah, I just, I can't recommend it enough. It was probably my second favorite show last year after Yellow Jackets. Um, but yeah, Severance was surprising and I love the relationships in it. I love the characters in it. I love the mystery of it. There's actually some mystery involved, even though they tell you a lot. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think people should watch it if they can. Yeah. And, and I only just finished watching the first season, but I, I, and I don't binge things. I, I really don't binge things. Typically I'm one of those people who tends to watch like a little bit of a thing and then I'm either into it or I'm not. And if I am into it, like I might watch one episode a week, this I full on binged. Um, okay. And it, it's quality television. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah. And then I I do have one more shout out to give, and that's uh, a classic that I am still rewatching. I mean, I guess, yeah, I I can't help it. But Zombie Ass Toilet of the Dead is <laughs> a film that I passionately love about a group of friends who go on a camping trip into the woods and one of them finds a parasitic worm inside a fish and eats it thinking it's going to keep her skinny and then all hell breaks loose and uh, you have tentacles and parasitic zombies and worms and it's it's just honestly one of the weirdest films you will ever see in your life. And it used to be on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> and I actually ordered it on DVD from Japan because uh, they took it down off of YouTube. And I was just so sad and desperate about that. And I finally got it and watched it again. And it makes me whole again. Um, it's, it's honestly one of those movies like Grim Cuddy where like you need to go into it knowing what to expect, but I think the title alone tells you what to expect. It so, tells you a fair yeah. amount, I would say. Yeah. yeah. I've never yeah. seen it, but I feel like I know what I'm in for. <laughs> a prestige okay, but, drama. But I will also tell you that the opening sequence is also literally a tapeworm passing through someone's digestive system. And oh, I love an opening sequence like that. And it. it's it's yeah. it's delightful. I that's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. I I don't think I have to sell this movie. I think it sells itself. Sells itself. Yeah. 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 Maybe don't eat while you're watching it. It's yeah. Like... Don't eat. Don't okay. eat. Okay. Eat your snacks. Gummy worms. <laughs> Actually, that wouldn't be too bad. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that's 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 the delightful gamut I run from that yeah. to, to zombie ass yeah that really was quite a gamut because the first movie you were talking about I was like man Ariel's so much classier than me she watches the stuff I've never even heard of <laughs> but then you made me feel better at the end there so. <laughs> oh yes all the ghouls have such wide tastes that's what's uh really fun mm -hmm. about these discussions um 
So thank you all so much for joining me for this chat. Before we wrap up, um, just want to give people a chance to say what they're working on and where people can find you online if there's anything you want to plug. So Ariel, do you want to go first and tell people about where to look for you and what to look for? Sure. So I'm Ariel. Um, I'm a filmmaker, podcaster, and author. You can find me at arielbasca.com. Um, I'm on Twitter as at RuinMySky. Uh, if anyone is on Twitter anymore, I don't even know. Um, if you are not on Twitter, I'm on Instagram as at JustAskAbasca. Um, I'm currently developing a feature anthology um, uh, of horror films uh, centered on disability specifically. So um, that's called Distortions. That'll probably be out in 2024, but uh, keep an ear to the ground for that one. Yeah, definitely will. Liz, what about you? Um, yes, so again, I'm also a big Twitter person. That's probably the easiest way to find me if you're still using it. Um, so it's at, at home with horror on Twitter. Um, I am just writing for Ghouls and writing for Collider. Um, and this year, for anyone who is in the Midlands in the UK, I am trying desperately to put together some sort of get together slash charity event um, at one of the independent cinemas in Birmingham I have a meeting with um, the director there in a few weeks so that That's will be exciting. on behalf of schools yeah um, obviously last year we did the 24-hour movie marathon mm -hmm. um, and it was great and we raised over a thousand pounds for the women's mental health charity so I want to try and do something like that again this year but bigger and better um, and for the Midlands schools who never get to do anything because everything's in London. So <laughs> sorry that you guys can't be there either. But yeah, so if everyone can listen out for that, that would be great. Thank you. Most definitely. And Caitlin, what about you? Uh, I am another Twitter person for as long as it lasts. Uh, <laughs> at Scared She Plus. I, I like to think that I'm personally tanking at least a little bit of Elon Musk's like personal <laughs> fortune at this stage. I just shit posting about Fallout Boy at every opportunity. But, you know, it's all fine. Uh, if uh, if not on there, I am on Instagram at she Scared She Plus blog, um, at scaredsheeplus.com for the website uh, also on Letterboxd, um, which is kind of shorter attempts to be funny at reviews. Um, <laughs> and I am kind of kicking around some more Ben Wheatley ideas, uh, which, you know, given I've written 10,000 words on the man, doesn't need any more, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I'm here for it. I think you should. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Um, you can find me at Ari underscore Hellraiser across the board. And before we go, I just want to give a quick shout out to Ghouls Gang member Mick Brooks. Mick, thank you so much for continuing to support us. And listeners, if you like what you hear, please give us a like, subscribe, and rate us on whichever platform you're listening to. If you would like more Ghouls podcast episodes, you can become a Ghouls Gang member for just £4.99 a month. Check out our show notes or head to ghoulsmagazine.com. I've been your host, Arielle, and remember to keep it ghoulish.